This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everybody, this is Richard Deitch, and welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. My producers, as always... Patrick Antonetti and Sean Cherry. This week, it is a regular on this podcast, though it's been a little bit since he's been on. John O'Rand is the fine sports business daily media writer and also obviously works for the Sports Business Journal, has a terrific media newsletter that comes out if you're a subscriber to that publication. And John has uh, certainly had a nice couple of weeks, broken a lot of interesting stories. And I am pleased that uh, he is joining me today. No uh, no two openings, John. We're going straight into this podcast. Usually, you know, I know I give you a nice little opening at the top, and then I say, all right, back in the studio, here's John Oran. But today, we're just starting right away, John. There's much to do. Let's get right to it. All right. First off, um, I think, tell me, if, I think you broke the story. If you didn't break the story, you were one of the early people breaking the story. And that's NBCSN deciding to well not deciding but NBC Universal deciding to fold NBCSN at the end of 2021 taking those assets those sports assets like NASCAR and Premier League and hockey of course placing them on the USA Network NBC and of course Peacock their streaming service so let's start here John why why did this happen uh you know there are couple things at play here. Uh, the, the, a lot of the stories uh, right afterwards, we're talking about Peacock, because a lot of these sports are, are going to head over to Peacock. And if you look at what Disney is doing with Disney+, Plus, and by extension ESPN+, Plus, and if you look at the, sort of how NBC Sports is, is pushing Peacock, it's sort of, you know, the future of TV is here and it's streaming, and you can see sort of what, what's happening with that. And I think that's a logical uh, w- way to look at this, and I think that certainly is one aspect of this. But something that uh, a lot of people have missed is that the NHL is going to find windows on USA Network. And um, the uh, EPL, the uh, English Premier League, is going to find windows on uh, on USA Network. And what what we have here is sort of like a like almost a, like a retrenchment of the bundle. Like uh, you're seeing these big media companies that are trying to figure out how to create a, a new bundle that's based on live sports. Cause live sports is really, it's the only thing that's holding the, the cable bundle together still, which is something I've been saying for the last five years, you know, it's a, not, not new, but you're seeing sort of a retrenchment of this. So they're, they're trying to create almost like a TNT type of a, a situation there. And you're going to have, uh, you're going to have less channels with more sports uh, that that are going to be part of that bundle. So, part of this to me is they're they're trying to make sure that the bundle lasts for as long as it possibly lasts because it is a, a lucrative uh, way to make money for uh, for you know NBC, ESPN, Fox, all of these guys. So, John, if I if I'm just a fan, uh, sort of explain to me why this wouldn't be the case. I'm a sports fan, and I see that NBC, SN, like 
is the second or third most watched cable sports network, which I think they put out not too long ago, either like their average viewership in primetime or their average viewership in daytime. But I think they were number two on one of them. So, you know, you, you look at that and how, I don't know what the, the, the cost is exactly. You probably do. Obviously, NBCSN gets a certain um, figure from the cable carriers. It's probably under a dollar, but, you know, it, you still times that by all the cable subscribers and it's a multi, multi, multi million dollar business. So, like, why would you shut that down? Is it truly more profitable to shut that down and to place your inventory on places like USA Network, uh, et cetera, than to keep what, at least in theory, looked to be an existing successful uh, cable sports channel? Yeah, I, I wouldn't describe it as more profitable to do that, but I think you could also say, like, you know, God, the, the Pony Express is still working. Why don't we continue to, to uh, you know, use the Pony Express in the, in the last couple of days? Court cutting is happening. Uh, these And Comcast is a, a huge company that's overseeing this sort of declining asset. And so the, the question that all these media companies have right now is how far do you want to – do you want to sit on top of a declining asset versus trying to tur- this is where the, the peacock comes in versus trying to turbocharge the uh, you know the, the streaming asset and try to and trying to get that going like as, as quickly as, as they can and I think that's that's where the, the decision really is made but so it, the, the the question here is like so you say if you're a sports fan how do you view this I, I don't look at it like that I'm like if you're if you're an NHL fan you're pretty much okay because you're going to see your games on uh, on NBC, the broadcast network. You're going to see your games on USA, and you'll see some on, on, on Peacock as well. It's it's sort of these, you know, uh, Premier League Lacrosse, you know, the, 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 some of these really smaller ones that all of a sudden are going to the be... Dog, lo- the dog show, right? Yeah, they're going to be losing linear TV. They're going to be going to streaming, and then, then boy, it's going to become really, really niche. It, those are the sports that are really going to be hurt. All right, so two things here. Uh, so, I mean, I think you've sort of answered it, but let me ask it directly. So you, you have confidence that significant inventory still will go on USA Network as opposed to significant important inventory all going to Peacock for NBC to try to build that up and obviously get people to pay for their streaming service. Yeah, Peacock's getting significant inventory, but but the, the plan is that they're gonna they're gonna lo- load up USA to uh, w- with that because U- USA is mu- much more valuable with live sports programming than uh, USA. In fact, might is probably going to get lower ratings, but it's going to be better. Uh, it's going to be more profitable for them to have a hockey game on there than sort of a ninth Law and Order rerun. Obviously, one of the most important questions here with this move is what happens to the NHL or what's the NHL's thinking in terms of its upcoming U.S. uh, media rights deal? And I know you're on the record as saying you think NBC Universal retains with Fox. Uh, Lee Burke, who we both respect and uh, talk to a lot, who's a a longtime industry uh, expert, has has consulted with all these companies. He believes ESPN will get half that package because of the existing tech relationship with BAM, et cetera. Um, what's your thought now? Like, do, do you, th- the NHL obviously was given the heads up, I'm sure by NBC universal about this, but what do you think this move off of NBCSN means for the NHL's media rights deal coming up? 
the guy that's running the NHL negotiations, Gary Bettman, you know, he was there back in 2005 or six when ESPN turned its back on, on the NHL. They were in the middle of a strike and NBC gave them a lifeline and they've been, uh, this sounds like PR speak, so I apologize, but they've been great partners for the past, what is it? 14, 15 years. And that, that means a lot in in the sports business. Relationships matter in the sports business. The NHL likes NBC. NBC likes the NHL. I find it really hard, even even giving up NBC SN. I find it really hard to, to uh, picture that um, that relationship fracturing uh, uh, going forward. I think they're they're going to find a couple of really good windows on USA. They're going to see a lot, get a lot of windows on Peacock. They're going to get a lot of promotion. They're going to be on uh, the, the broadcast network. I think that's almost certain to stick with uh, with NBC. Uh, the NHL has gone on the record that they, they, they want to split their package. They want to pull in one or maybe two other media companies. Uh, ESPN and Fox are the logical ones. I still think Fox is, is going to be the one that's going to uh, come and get it. But Lee's a smart guy, and a lot of other people believe that uh, ESPN is going to going to be the one in there to get it. Uh, I, I think it's, I think it'll be Fox. I think Fox has they've, they've gone after a sort of a live event strategy, um, and the NHL fits right in with that. Uh, I can see them uh, coming and getting it. And then there's there's one other package, a streaming package. Maybe that could go to ESPN Plus. Maybe that could go to Amazon. Maybe that could go to one of the big tech companies for a, a sort of a cheaper price than the, than the NFL would be getting. Um, uh, Amazon's out there. Google's out there. Uh, ESPN Plus is out there. The Zone is still sort of uh, you know nosing around here and there. So who knows where that could go? But uh, I, the, the only certainty that I see is that NBC. I'm, I'm virtually certain it's going to keep it. Yeah, I agree with you on the NBC part. It'll be interesting to see what happens with that uh, second package. I also think the, N- the NHL is in a better position than people think. That was a very hot property prior to COVID, and I think uh, I think entities are going to look long-term on that. It's got good demos, young stars, et cetera. Yeah, let me just say I'm very, very bullish on the NHL. I think the NHL is going to get, get a windfall in terms of a, a, a right the increase. We agree. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a, I think it's the demos on that sport are very good for 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 network, especially streaming. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua, and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter, and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film, and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's move to... Um Meadowlark, uh, which is the company that uh, John Skipper and Dan Lebertard have uh, formed. I mean, essentially, John, at this point, you're, you're almost the spokesperson. You're the Chris <laughs> Legentil for for this entity, given how many stories you've broken. Send my best to Skipper, John. Open for business here, Richard. Yeah. <laughs> you're Triple H. What's best for business? All right. So how um, – how let, let's, let me ask you a general question here because, um, you know, to let the audience know – and tell me if I'm wrong here, John. What what Skipper and Lebertard are going to do is they're making an attempt to get what they consider best in class sports content. Best in class, of course, is uh, is objective, but you know, I mean, high end, smart people doing smart content, um, selling them to third parties 
so that they're positioning themselves as what I think Skipper called the supplier of choice. And they're looking to raise uh, 10, 15, 20 million dollars. If I'm wrong about that, John, correct me. But I think that's sort of the blueprint here. So let me ask you a, a general question. How, given if that is the philosophy or the framework, how, how successful can that kind of company be? You know, I don't, I, I don't know. <laughs> How's that for an answer? Next question. Um, the, uh, I, I, I think that, uh, that Skipper and Levitard are taking a look at what uh, Bill Simmons create, created and how he sort of turned that into, uh, to say, a tidy profit. You know, he, he, what did he sell uh, the ringer for to, to Spotify? $200 million reported, yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, that's not a tidy, that's not tidy, John. That's a major profit. Tidy, very tidy. <laughs> He's looking at uh, Barstool Sports and sort of what they created as a pure content play. And, and their valuation now is sort of through the roof. And he has, uh, he has, um, you know, uh, in Levitard, a key person who has a rabid fan base, you know, almost Barstool-esque. Uh, and, and so his, his bet is that, you know, he'll be able to sell that, sell Levitard's show somewhere, like a serious type of place, use that money uh, with added investments to start uh, getting a lot of the people that have been let go by ESPN, let go by Fox. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of really good talent in, in sports media that's out on the street right now. Uh, and he's going to get a lot of those people to come in and tell stories and create uh, pretty close to what he created, what, what he created uh, at e- when he was at ESPN in terms of like uh, an undefeated uh, type of a uh, um, uh, type of publication. And so, uh, so his bet, his bet is, that there's a blueprint that's already out there for starting uh, um, a content company um, and and being able to see the valuations on that go through the roof. And uh, and he, he feels like, Skipper feels like he already created that at ESPN. He already created that once. And that with Levitard as an anchor, it'll be easy enough to uh, recreate again. So here's my question. Like, first of all, I have absolutely no doubt that he'll be able to sell the Levitard show or maybe shows, plural, because obviously they have a couple other shows. That's the easiest part of this. Yeah, yeah totally. easy. Yeah. And, and so one of these things you always need is you do need an anchor that makes money. Um, you know, Barstool has like part of my take and Call Me Daddy and these other podcasts that um, that make a fortune. I think seven figures, basically. And so you, you have to have that base. You know, Simmons has his podcast and um, – I don't know the uh, enough of all the Ringer, other Ringer podcasts that are mega hits, Rusillo's podcast. But the, the point is the Ringer had at least one existing podcast that obviously is a cash cow. And so Skipper will have that with Lebertard, however he ends up selling that. The real question to me on this is, and I, by the way, I don't know the answer either, is can you then, if you bring in, let's say, like a Jamel Hill or, you know, the people that uh, – Skipper and Lebertard have worked with in the past and really like, uh, I, you know, Michael Smith or Michelle Beadle. I'm just sort of just naming names here. Um, like, can't, there's no doubt that they can create good content. Like, that's not really the question for me, John. The question is, can they create content that people will pay a lot of money for or pay money for that's a differentiator in the marketplace versus what is already existing? And that's like where the money that's the that's the money that's the ball game and and I don't know the answer to that it's not that I don't think they can create good content in fact I'm 
positive they do. It's a question of who are they going to sell it to, and will the sellers pay premium for that? You know, that's the question. I think. Yeah, and I think you answered it in in, uh, in your uh, your intro, where you know, look, the, the Ringer is the, the Ringer has great content. I think. Uh, but the, the star of the ringer is Simmons and Simmons's podcast, and it always has been. And it's sort of like I, I, I think of you know Barstool. You, you mentioned, you know, pardon my take. That was the original one. You, you just need you need that one anchor, and you can sort of build and draft off off of that. And that's that's that that's where they're how the, how they're uh, viewing the market right now. Let me ask you one more question on this, and then we'll move on. There's a lot of uh, you know, there's a lot of right center. Or you know, right right wing uh, thought leaders who will say all of sports is left leaning and nobody needs any more progressive sports content. I actually might argue that a lot of sports content, like certainly if you think about it with ESPN and Fox Sports, is far more center based than than anything else. It's not like ESPN is doing twenty four seven social justice programming. So my question is, John, do you think there's a do you think there's a market? For an entity, if Lebertar and Skipper wanted to go for this, where it's really progressive content, like they really um, do a lot of, you know, social justice and sports, politics and sports, um, institutional racism as it relates to sports. Like, do you see do you see a market for that kind of content or do you think that is covered in some forms already, whether it's the New York Times or the Washington Post, ESPN, The Athletic, et cetera? Yeah, I, I, I think that there's a potential hole in the market where, where that can fit, but I, I don't think that – I know that's not at all what Skipper wants wants to start. He, he, look, Skipper is very left-leaning, as you know. Um, Levitard is certainly left-leaning. Uh, and so, you know, if they're starting a content company, it's going to lean it's going to lean left, but I don't think that they're trying to start a progressive sports uh, content company. I think that they they want to tell they want to tell stories and they want to tell good stories. And uh, uh, they're going to bring on people like if they bring on Jamel Hill, you you, you know she's not going to write a right wing column or do any right wing videos. Uh, you know it, it, that that will be progressive. But I, I can't. I would imagine that they would bring in. They could easily bring in a you know somebody that, that leans a li- little bit more right. This is not a political thing at all to them. And and uh, when I first heard about this and talked to them about it, you know, I, I had heard that it was going to be, you know, a, a really politically progressive, you know, sports site. And they were like, no, it's not, they're not getting into politics. Uh, they, they might address politics just like Skipper's uh, ESPN used to. So it's, um, it, it's certainly, and again, it's certainly going to lean left, but it's nobody will ever read this and say like, oh, there's a political site. All right. Interesting. I, I appreciate that. That's a good clarification for the, for the audience. There'll be an interesting company, um, to watch for sure. And I think if they, I always sort of use wrestling parlance here, they should really try to position themselves as an underdog and not an overdog because people always want to see an underdog type of company um, to succeed. This is, this is where it frustrates the Chris LaPlacas, your buddy from ESPN and, you know, the Josh Krulitzes of the world. They once upon a time, they were the scrappy underdog from Bristol. And now, you know, they're the, they're the 2000 pound uh, giant. So you always want to position yourself as the underdog. All right, very quickly, John, on the Super Bowl, what kind of viewership do you think Chiefs Bucks gets? You know, Tom Brady uh, 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 being in it uh, is good. Uh, Patrick Mahomes being in it is, is uh, should work. Um, I don't think that it's going to break any records. Uh, I expect it to be probably 
look, I always use Super Bowl viewership as a, you take a look at the. Um, I hope this wasn't you weren't expecting a quick answer on that, Richard. I apologize for this ramble, but but it, I I view the Super Bowl as a TV show, and 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 you have the NFL playoffs as a TV show. It's like a lead into the Super Bowl, and if the playoffs are down, the Super Bowl is pretty much going to be down. If the playoffs are up, the Super Bowl is going to be up, and. I haven't seen the final numbers from uh, from uh, last weekend yet. Uh, they might be up. Uh, yeah, I think we're looking in the four. I think we're looking in the forty millions for both games, which might be up like a tick. But you know, the earlier rounds were down about seven percent. The regular season was down around seven percent. If the Super Bowl comes in and that's down between five and seven percent, you know that that wouldn't shock me. Uh, I think it might flirt with dropping below a hundred million viewers for the first time. Uh, but that sort of I think I think that's sort of where we are right now as a uh, in, in terms of uh, sports TV ratings. Uh, I, I don't I don't think that's any reason for anybody to get you know to, to, to go nuts uh, on this. I think that it could easily rebound in, in the next few years. But I just think that there's been a if you look if you look at the lead in programming and that's been down. It's, it's hard to market and bring in uh, new eyeballs. Tom Brady might might be able to help that. Yeah, if I remember last year, I have to like check. Like it was under a hundred, and then didn't like ba- like later on they got a rating, like a national rating, maybe that flipped it a little over a hundred. Is my memory right about this? Uh, I, I forget. It was flirting back then uh, with it. it. I think it was pretty solidly came over a hundred. They they found a couple viewers somewhere in uh, in Georgia or something like that. Yeah, I think. It, yeah, I think. I think if I remember right, it, it like it was maybe a hundred point four or something like that. But the twenty nineteen was under a hundred million, so it's not. You know, it, 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 we have seen it at least relatively. You know, in relative short years. Although before that, John, I think you got to go back to the last. You know, the two thousand and nine or something like that. So, uh, you know, I, I don't expect to see anything close to the you know one hundred fourteen point four million that we saw for Patriots Seattle but man I have to think Tom Brady going for a Super Bowl with the Bucks and Patrick Mahomes uh is going to leave you over 100 million obviously there's a million other factors as we all know you know if the weather's cold that'll help um covid has blown up everything but even with less people watching sports in the covid universe I I mean I could be wrong John but my thought is that the Super Bowl would be one thing that maybe people do crave for sort of some normalcy and maybe it does lead you to to maybe some increased viewership uh, uh, than what we've seen, obviously, over the last couple of months. But I don't know. I mean, I honestly, it's a tough one to predict. I don't know. Yeah, you know what's going to help uh, to me is uh, uh, Tampa, I think, what is it, 22,000, 26,000? They're, they're, they're actually going to be fans yep. in, in yep. the stands. And I just have to say, watching watching the Green Bay game and hearing the fans, I forgot how yeah, much it makes I a difference. that. Like, you know, the... the it, it, it just it just makes it a better TV product. It makes it it makes it more welcoming for me to to tune into that game, uh, you know, to, to to watch. And so, you know, having the fans in the stands can help. Um, there, there are a lot of there are a lot of uh, things that that, that are looking uh, to look at there. All right, let's finish up on uh, two things. Uh, first, uh, what's your sort of just uh, initial read on the deal that uh, the WWE has made with Peacock? Uh, WWE basically had they had their WWE network. I think that they uh, plateaued pretty quickly with that, and they were finding uh, finding it difficult to grow that. 
Uh, I think that they they didn't necessarily like be, uh, owning their own network, uh, so, so to speak. It's it's tougher than, than it looks. And, uh, and so now what Nick Khan has done, hard to think that he's not at CAA anymore, the, uh, as often as we like to see him on this pod. But what he's done is basically taken what, you know, is just kind of, uh, you know, was not a growth engine for WWE and turned that into, you know, a billion dollars over, over five years. Uh, and so he, he gets a nice little uh, piece of that. And this, again, uh, is NBC putting live events and putting a lot of content on Peacock. So like, if you're a WWE fan, you're going to subscribe to Peacock and you're just going to see those those numbers go up. I think it's I think it's amazing for Peacock. By the way, I just, I think that that is very valuable programming. Even that library of WWE to me is super valuable. Totally, I was, uh, and uh, Rick Cordella was saying he just wants to get people in there because once once you get in there, you're going to want to get in there to watch whatever wrestling uh, programming there is, and then they're going to watch the Office or they're going to watch something else, and they're going to stick around. And they sell advertising on Peacock, and that matters to them. So they want to they want to hit as many different constituencies as possible. So and it's perfect. I hate to say win-win, but I, I, I see it working for Buff. All right, final two, John, because I'm going to get you out of here because I know you have a very important meeting coming up. Very important. What ha- If the Tokyo Olympics is canceled, um, which, you know, feels like a 50-50 proposition, just giving uh, what's happening with uh, new variants and COVID and third and second waves, um, what's that mean for NBC Universal? That's It's tough, man. It, it, it was tough just delaying it by a year. They, they sold... You know, their ad sales pre pre COVID for uh, for the Olympics were were running uh, at record highs, uh, and all of a sudden, like it just got shut down. They had to start from uh, from scratch. Um, more than ad sales, is it's programming. It's it's sort of the the amount of uh, manpower and energy that's been put into uh, coming up with a production plan around it. All of a sudden, kind of gets uh, thrown by the wayside. It it would be. Not devastating, but it would hurt uh, NBC just to have that get canceled. And, I, and if it, I, I can't see him pushing it, I, I don't know what what, what uh, any of the options are. So it uh, it would be a tough uh, call to cancel it. I mean, the, the, I, it, it would have to. I, to be honest, I don't see them canceling it. I, I just think there's too much money that's involved uh, with this, and I just see that the governments and the networks and the, uh, the organizing committees all sort of getting together and trying to figure out something on this because it would uh, it, it would throw um, there there would be upheaval <laughs> in terms of the, the right season. Yeah. Well, the organizing committee slash IOC would in theory have to do a make good or give the money back to NBC. And all the broadcasters around the world, which just seems inconceivable. So I'm with you. I think they would try to figure out something. Although at a certain point, John, the calendar is the calendar, right? You know, you you you, you know you 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 have an Olympic scheduled in 2022, um, and you have all these other events going on. So it's not an easy solution, basically. No, it's a, it's a very hard solution. But I think you're you're, you're going to see with uh, some of the. Uh, U.S. trials coming up. They're just going to try to do it differently. You know, you, you can't have proper trials, uh, you know, moving forward. And I, I think that they're going to they're going to try to do whatever they can. I mean, I just think about COVID in the Olympic Village, for goodness sakes. I, I don't know. You can't have an Olympic. I, 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 I don't know what yeah, the solution Yeah, you can't are. have that. I'm not in a, I mean, I guess unless everybody's tested, but that, that seems like an epidemiological nightmare. I feel for the athletes. It sucks. I mean, you know, you train. This is your sort of, especially the ones non- revenue sports you train your whole life let's say 
um, you know, to be like a steeplechase runner or in kayaking or canoeing and, and, you know, a global pandemic hits, it sucks. Um, all right, finally, you know, I did promise, uh, John on Twitter that we would do a ranking of the, uh, sports television, public relations departments. Of course, I only did that, John, just to see who would text you about it, freaking out about that, that potential. So I was just trying to fuck with people. Um, but I do want to ask a PR question here. All right. In the, um, and this is this is where you'll get your di- diplomacy hat on because I know you never like to you never like to the only sunshine and applesauce with you when it comes to the the PR departments. Um, do you think it's in um, in 2021? Um, what story do you want to sell into the market? Like as a general rule for the ESPNs and the Foxes and the CBSs and the the NBCs, are you trying to sell? how you're building up your streaming division, you know, like ESPN plus and NBC are, uh, you know, once upon a time, ESPN, I, I know you were part of this. You remember when Josh Krulowitz and Vince Doria would go to the AP and all these other stuff. They used to pitch how ESPN was a, a journalistic power and look at, uh, outside the lines that are on every day, et cetera. You know, ESPN doesn't like it when me and Jim Miller talk about, um, you know, far less journalism happening at ESPN. Um, but that's not as easy a story to sell anymore, John, just given how many layoffs they've had. Um, so what do you sell? I mean, what do you sell? What's a good story for a sports PR? To, like, do you sell viewership? Well, hard to sell viewership in a COVID year when everything's down. What do you sell if you're the Chris Laplacas and the Jen Sabatels and the uh, and the Greg Hugheses and the – who else haven't I mentioned, John? You know, Andrew Figverisi is out there, right? Uh yeah, Andrew Vic Verisi. I think I've gotten everybody. I've listed all members of the, of the, of the four Smeltz. families. Chris Legentle, if he does it, do I put him into oh, Nate Smeltz? Yeah, it's the member six families. There you go. Well done. Um, you know, the, the story that oh, look, give Anna Negron a race. You want to talk about talented PR people? But go ahead. The, the story that, uh, that that I would get out there is just that we have a plan. We know we know what we're doing, uh, I, and it, you know rate, ratings are pretty much down. There's not a great story with that. Uh, I wouldn't go whole hog in streaming because you have a huge amount of people that are that are, that are still watching um, linear television, you know. And I wouldn't go whole hog in linear television because you have a lot of people that are that are streaming. I just want to. I think the stories that resonate with uh, with my readers. Is, is when people come out and they have a plan. So Fox, they don't have, Fox Sports does not have a streaming service, but they have a plan. They have a broadcast network and they're, stri- they're stripping out the, the days of the week on the broadcast network with live events and live sports. And they're in the mix for all these rights deals that, that, that are moving forward. You have, uh, you know, on the other side, you have ESPN. They have ESPN Plus and they're, they're seeding ESPN Plus with, as much content as they can, and they still have ESPN, and they're now moving more into broadcast with ABC as well. They have a plan. I mean, so everybody, you just want to hear that that people are are taking a look at this really surreal market that we're in, uh, inspired by COVID, inspired by an economy that's sort of uh, on on the edge, and they they have a plan moving forward, not 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 knowing. We all know where where the media industry is going. It's going towards streaming. But we don't know what the timing is on it, and and uh, and the, I think people want to know that, that that the leaders at these networks have a, have a that they know where it's going and they know when and and they're they're uh, they have a plan for it. Yeah, that's a quality quality answer, John. 
Full marks to you. What a way to go. You know, off the cuff. That was great. I didn't prepare that, Richard. Excellent. Excellent. All right. John O'Rand is the uh, fine media writer for Sports Business Daily and Sports Business Journal. Check him out on uh, those sites. Check his newsletter out, which is excellent. And obviously follow him on Twitter. He's, uh, he's, on, he's been on an excellent run of news breaking. And so we will, uh, we will follow his uh, work very closely. John, as always, thank you for the time. And uh, I will see you again soon on the Sports Media Podcast. I hope so. Thanks, R.D. All right, back in the studio. My thanks, as always, to John O'Rand for some uh, fun and interesting sports media conversation. If you like these podcasts, head to the Sports Media with Richard Deitch page on uh, Stitcher, Apple, iTunes, Google Play. Uh, Leave us a five-star review and uh, a nice note if you could. That's how this podcast uh, sticks around. last couple episodes have been really good. Uh, Before the O'Rand episode, Rhiannon Walker... Britt Giroli and Jane McManus on the Jared Porter story and um, the sexual harassment that they have each faced in the business. Um, They were incredibly honest and I I would say probably one of the most important podcasts I've done in a long time, so I hope you check that out. For that, Noah Eagle on calling the Nickelodeon game uh, for the NFL. Before that, James Andrew Miller on ESPN's Future. Prior to that, Renee Paquette of uh, wrestling broadcasting fame, known as WWE. He used to be known uh, as Renee Young of the WWE. And Shalice Manza Young as well, who always writes uh, uh, a lot of interesting stuff for Yahoo Sports. Um, and she discussed her column on Akeem Tlaib and uh, his importance in sports broadcasting. I want to thank uh, my producers as always, Patrick Antonetti, Sean Cherry, their help uh, on this podcast. Not really help. They pretty much do everything on this podcast. And thanks, of course, to Cadence 13, to John McDermott, Chris Corcoran, Spencer Brown. Appreciate the support. We uh, will see you soon. Super Bowl coming up. going be a lot of sports, uh, interesting sports media conversation. Look forward to bringing it to you. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time on the Sports Media Podcast. <laughs>